0: Hola, jambo, Welcome to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This podcast was created to be what the next immigrant needs to thrive and what we need as an immigrant community. In this podcast, we talk about attaining financial independence, living full lives in the new countries we call home, and we'll do all that while talking about topics that pertain to the immigrant community all over the world. We'll do that with grace, with truth, with love and yes with great background music. So please dance into every podcast episode with me. I'm Di Olatero, and I'm your host. Welcome. Hello my people and welcome back to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This is Di Olatero and this is season two episode ten. We did it guys. This is episode 10 of the second season of the podcast, and we are wrapping up season two. And so I'm recording this after I've just had a really, really, really mentally tough um, and physically exhausting um, two weeks at work. And so thank you for your patience. And, and I know this, this episode was delayed a bit, but I just, I just wasn't able to do this um, and focus on, you know, my job, my career that pays me. So thank you for understanding um, and so the first few months of the year, I, I I typically you know manic for me, and so you know these two weeks almost took me out. But thank the Lord they did it, and I'm still here. And so I love being back and um and and talking with you on the other side of of this you know microphone. And and the cool thing is that you can literally be listening to me anywhere in the world. Um, I checked my stats the other day and I saw that the Reach Immigrant Podcast has been played on six continents. Like, it's so amazing that something as simple as the sound of my voice can travel literally anywhere. So if anybody's going to Antarctica and want to play on the podcast when you're there, please let me know. Let's get to all seven. But in in all honesty, I'm just, just thankful and just floored and, and just just grateful Um, A friend sent me something this week about, you know, starting a podcast and what to expect. And it was really, really, really great reminder because you start these things and you put it out in the world and it's going to take time. You know, it might take time for people to see it or even hear it or even just hear your message. Um, And so I just want to send this to encourage somebody. My podcast has not blown by any standards, but it's growing slowly. And I think that's that's what that's more the norm for for most of us. There's some of us that will blow, you know, quickly. and But for most people, there's that slow, steady increase. And so whatever it is you're doing doesn't have to be a podcast. Um, if there's someone here that needs to hear this today, um, keep going. Sometimes it will take doing 100 episodes for your podcast to, to, to grow. Sometimes it'll, it'll take, you know, pitching your business, you know, 100 times for you to get that bigger opportunity um but i hope that you continue to grow and and and, you know with doing it one more time the second time the third time the 50th time you truly will get better um but as you do that also try to learn okay what else can i do to get my message out there more but i just wanted to send this message of encouragement to someone that's trying something and it's seeming like it's taking long many things are supposed to take long and and don't be don't be distracted or 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 discouraged by what seems like overnight overnight successes of others. Because in many cases, it really isn't overnight. Um, and on the other hand, maybe it is overnight, but again, their path is different. Um, so please stay the course, but thank you for being here. And look, I've already gone three minutes. I haven't even gotten into this episode, but that's okay. Because this episode is more of a freestyle, answering Q and A type episode, so I feel like I'm, I guess I'm, I'm already kind of right on track or, or in the spirit of this episode. And so, newsletter family, I want you to know that there's an email coming into your mailbox this week. Um, And if you're not part of the newsletter, You can join, just go to www.thereachimmigrant.com and scroll down to the bottom and you'll be able to sign up and you'll get my monthly emails that are starting this week. So thank you for doing that. And if you don't want to go to the website, just go to my Instagram, click on the link in my bio. There's a link to get a net worth tracker. As you sign up, you get a free net worth tracker and you get to hear from me even when this season of the podcast is off cycle. But of course, I'll be on Instagram the whole time so you're not gonna really miss me okay so let's get into this Q&A episode I'm answering six of the questions that you guys have sent me um some of them are just get to know your questions some of them are money related some of them are just migration related so all of it so I'm going to be talking through a number of those so let's the first question is a, is a heavy one, but I wanted to answer it. And I think today is not the day for my full story. That time will come. And when that time comes, don't worry, I'll, you'll be the first to hear it. But the, the question was about, you know, tell us about your journey from a student visa to your current status in the U.S. Um, and I think, you know, that's a question that I, too, wondered about many people. So I think it's a very honest question and it's very fitting for this community. Um, so this one is for my fellow immigrants. So here we go. My coming to America story. So I came to the U.S. on an F-1 visa, and that's a student visa. And after graduation, despite good grades and all of that, um, I ended up without a job that would sponsor me for a visa. Um, and so I used my OPT. And then at the time, I, you didn't have to use your OPT in your field of study. So I used my OPT to work in a factory making light fixtures for $10 an hour. At the same time, right, I was the clock was ticking on my OPT because you just have one year to work or find a job. And so I applied for while I was working in the factory, I would get home in the evening, study for my GMAT, started looking to schools to apply. I applied for to go to my master's. I did not need a master's at the time. The master's was just a move out of necessity. Um, since I wanted to remain in the U.S. at that time. And so I applied for my master's in accounting, and I said if I was going to apply, while I don't have the money, I'm going to apply to the best programs in the U.S. for a master's in accounting. So I applied to um, University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and I also applied to um, University University of Texas at Austin. Thankfully, and by God's grace, I got accepted into both. Next was just how we're going to pay for this um, this graduate school, which they were not cheap. Both were bigger schools; they were not cheap at all. I think they were each like fifty grand or more for one year. <laughs> um, but thankfully, I, I got a scholarship. Both actually offered me scholarships, um, and then uh, one was a full ride, and the other was not. Um, the one that was not a full ride was the UT Austin program, and they were so gracious. I went with a full ride, of course, because I, I didn't have money for anything. Um, and if, but even in, in with University of Texas at Austin, I, you know, they they were so gracious, so kind. They called me to congratulate me. And even when I called to tell them, I took the extra time to call and tell them, you know, that, you know, I'm so thankful. It's a top program. And I love how engaged they just were so warm. They had current students call me. I'd never had a school do that. Um, But I I told them I had to make the choice based on my financial situation, but that I was so thankful and grateful. So that's how I went into grad school um, pretty much for free. And then, um, you know, that's the thing is that while I was in undergrad, I was qualified But I was not positioned. I was not positioned in a place where while my school was affordable, I was not positioned in a place where firms that would sponsor me recruited from. And so sometimes you might be qualified, but not positioned. And that can feel that can be a very hard pill to swallow because you look around and you see that one, the first differentiator between you and others um, and getting certain opportunities is 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 a, is a is a is a circumstance that you cannot control. And for me, at that time, it was uh, my passport and the fact that I wasn't a U.S. citizen or permanent resident. That's that's a that's a hard pill to swallow. But um, I guess the way I just took it is, you know, life is life, and we're dealt different things. And I was just going to do the best with what I was dealt with, and you know, I'll leave the rest to God and and just just move on from there. Um, but I was intentional about positioning myself when I went to grad school because now I had learned the lesson, right, to be at a place where I would I could I had a chance at least, right? And for those that may be going to smaller schools where, where companies that may need to sponsor you do not recruit, there is extra legwork that needs to be done. I would say at the time LinkedIn wasn't big, there was Facebook, the firms that I wanted to work for were on Facebook. Towards the end of my college career, I started trying harder. But the thing is, I wish I'd even known enough. But nobody even told me to start looking as a sophomore and stuff. Um, and so I wish I had known enough to start earlier. Maybe the answer would have been different. I don't know. But it might help somebody listening today. That's why I'm saying this. No no regrets on my side. My path was just supposed to be take longer to get my associate job. And, and that's okay. And so, you know, the interesting thing is... <laughs> looking back, maybe things worked out. Things probably worked out perfectly, but I wanted to make sure to say that, you know, I got got recruited by a couple of firms. I accepted to work at the firm that I currently work for um, at the time. But the funny thing is, you know, they agreed to sponsor me for the H-1B. It was in the middle of the Great Recession, right? So it's in 2009. uh, And previously, people that got H-1Bs with me, at the time I graduated from undergrad, You know, they had the H-1B cap where there's only 65,000 visas in a year and many people were not able to actually, even though they were sponsored, couldn't get the visas because the cap was maxed out. And so how things would work and how God will work in the middle of a recession is that when I got the job in 2009, the economy was down and, um, and the cap was not reached. So I didn't have to worry about... A lottery on the H-1B, and I think there's only been a few years where that's been the case, and so it just goes to show. I, I think it goes to show that, you know, for me, I believe that God was working even when I did not know it, and sometimes it takes time to see the work. Um, but I hope that you'll stand firm and keep doing what you're doing. And so I'm glad I kept working at the factory, applying to to master's degrees, and then at the appointed time, um, the opportunity came, and it came for me in a way that was stress-free without having to worry about an H-1B cap. So that's my story. And so there's a longer part to this, but at least I feel like I wanted to at least tell that part of my story, at least answer that question. Um, But I will say this, a couple of things I would say to someone, you know, as a student, one, learn your options for employment early on. Right? Don't wait until you're one year from graduation. Start and learn early on. If you have a niece, a nephew, a cousin, tell them that. Two if you need sponsorship go hard to get the summer internship it's so much easier to get a job offer that way like now I'm on the side as a professional and we see students come in and if you do a decent job at your internship it's really hard to mess it up you will get the offer so please work hard at getting the internship so you don't have to work harder at getting the offer um, in your last year of college that just went long, so I'll go quick on the next few questions. Oh, before I go on, I just want to say, you know, I know that sometimes you can do your part because I did get good grades, be a leader on campus, connecting with people, and you still might not get the job. And I want to say that I'm sorry about that because I have I have lived that. Um, and um, it can shine a light, like I said, on some of the things that are just, you know, unf- that can feel unfair about the world. Um, but again, focus on your alternate plans. Are you an America or Boston or UK or bust kind of person? Is there a room elsewhere, but your eyes cannot see beyond what is in front of you because you're so close up to what's in front of you? And so I wish I had really thought about go moving to Canada much earlier on, right? It would have been honestly saved some stress. So I would say, yes, you know, sometimes we can get into a place where we're comfortable and we want to stay there, but step back, look at other options and just step into them. Now moving on to the second question I got. The question was around, can I speak to starting up a business or side hustle as an immigrant? Yes, I can. I would love to speak to that. Um, Generally, immigrants are more entrepreneurial. And so studies show that immigrants are twice as likely to start a business than native born um, U.S. people, at least in the U.S. And Actually, within the immigrant category, refugees are actually the most entrepreneurial people, and I find that so interesting. And so, of course, immigrants are massive contributors to to the economy, and of course, they are big ones like Elon Musk and the founders of WhatsApp, and there's Rihanna, and there's so—and Arianna Huffington, and so many people— but as like I said in a previous episode, there are thousands and millions of immigrants every day reviving our neighborhoods and our economies. And that's just a beautiful place, beautiful thing to see. Looking at the stats for immigrants, though, there are more Asian and Hispanic immigrants than other um, races or groups within the U.S. And so I think, you know, I think for... Many of our parents that come abroad actually start out entrepreneurial in their own way, right? And so probably, they might be doing, you know, they might open up a shop. They might open up, you know, something down the road. They might do something from home. And so I think it's, 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 it's a big, I mean, for many immigrants, people start businesses knowing what they, the skills or the things they know of from their home country, but I think when I think about our generation, right, we are starting, we're building startups, we're building tech companies, we're building digital digital companies, or digital services, we're building coaching businesses, we're doing so many different things. And um, I think that there, we know there is a need for more in, more incubators, for, for entrepreneurs, for immigrant entrepreneurs to help us grow and scale, right? Um, and I actually have an episode where I talk to my friend about how she started her business. Um, And and I think in response to this question, I will actually post that as a bonus episode for this season. It'll be the last episode. I'll post it up in a week and I'll probably do an intro to that and then build into her conversation because we actually talked about What are the things that you didn't really know about? Because sometimes there are opportunities that immigrants don't even know about that can help grow, start, or scale their businesses. So look out for that episode. So thank you for this question, and watch out for a bonus episode in a week to to speak a little bit more to this matter. The next question I got is on how to build long-term professional relationships, and that's such a great question. And so... You know, I'll just be honest with you, building professional relationships is not the same thing as, you know, playing and meeting friends on the playground. It's a bit of a, it's a, it's a different ball game, right? But, but, but I know that you can do it. I know that I can do it. And I think some people based on their personalities um, might find it easier to do than others. Some of us like me have to be more intentional about it. And so I'll just share some of the things that I'm learning and it's a continuous learning process for me, Right. So one, you know, it's one thing to build a network or relationship. It's another thing to maintain them. Right. So there are two things, really. Um, It takes work. It takes time and it takes being intentional. And some people have an entire strategy around this. And if that's you, I mean, if you need a strategy, I would say create one and then just follow it to the T. So one is first is just in general, you know, how are your communication skills? You know, are you do you slow down? And when you speak, do you ask questions of people? Do you have genuine interest in them? Do you listen when they speak? Not just listening to respond, just listening to actually absorb what they're saying. Um, And then, you know, I would say sometimes when I'm just communicating with people, if I don't fully understand, I will repeat to confirm, you know, mutual understanding. And last but not least, you know, do don't force it, right? If the convers- if you're having a conversation with someone and it's just not flowing, you're not vibing. It's okay. Thank them for their time and move on. That's cool. Um, the second thing I think I started saying it is just actually getting to know people. I think sometimes. And just getting to know people that I worked with or worked for, what I realized down the line is that um, I was building relationships. I think people will go too bad for people that they know. And so many times when it comes to a workplace and we're like, I just want to do my job and go. I think that's fine. But I think there's always room for you to make allow people to get to know you a bit more and know about the things that matter to you without knowing you know, what you ate for dinner last night and all of that stuff. So I think it's, it's a bit of a dance and I think it depends on you and how much you want people to, to get to know you. But I think actually getting to know people and allowing people getting to know you, to get to know you is important. I have a boss that I worked for my first year as an associate 11 years ago. And, um, this guy, I call him my professional crush, right? Cause he, he truly sets the bar in so many different ways. Um, for 11 years he's never missed to wish me happy birthday wherever in the world I was working um, he always he always he has it on his calendar and he does that for everybody he's worked with and he will send you a note to wish you a happy birthday. It's a simple thing but it's, it matters so much and even though I don't talk to him maybe I talk to him twice a year or so um, that's one of the people that doesn't matter what they ask me to do if it's within my power and legal, I'll do it right. Um, And so I think it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be small things. It can be checking in. You don't have to check in with everybody all the time. Some people you'll check in with twice a year and it's okay. Some you'll end up talking to all the time. Some it's four times a year. It's okay. It doesn't have to be a, oh, let's talk every other day type of thing. And then the other thing is just celebrating people. Like I just said what my boss did. Another thing he always does is when everybody gets a promotion, he will send you a handwritten note of congratulations. Does he have to do it not at all but it's something that probably he has built into his life and i am not to that level sometimes i do it sometimes i don't so i can't even pretend um but celebrating people it doesn't matter if you're the loudest celebrator or you're a quiet one regardless just taking the time to acknowledge what people have accomplished big or small even if it's like oh they did a great job on that presentation or something of the sort and um, people will remember that you took the time out to celebrate them and then the next thing I'll say is just asking for advice. Um, people love to give advice. They love to share from their perspective and their experiences. And so if you truly want to, you know, hear from someone, you know, ask them for 15 minutes to 30 minutes and ask for some advice. And, and generally, most people will be willing to do that. And then once you ask for the advice, I think I would say one good thing to do is to follow up down the line and let them know how, how their advice landed and what you did and how things went. And then the last thing is I said just check in, checking in that that follow up, you know, is is it's gonna be important. And so for me, I realized at some point that I, that I had good relationships within my firm, but I had not taken the time to build a network outside of my firm, and that was two years ago. And so I decided at that time to start taking efforts to to build my network beyond my firm and so I'm still working on it right I'm still working on it you know and I've slacked off for the last few months because work has been manic but I'm, I'm coming back on track so hopefully I hope that helps you gives you some tips and I hope that you can actually take actionable steps going forward another one I got is just how do I start investing and so there's a lot of investing for more right now. People are jumping into the markets. And I love that investing is becoming more mainstream because it should be, because it's a it's a way that people are truly able to build wealth. Um, but I, I I do hope that we are taking the time to be knowledgeable about what we're investing in. And so there are two things I'll recommend, right? So I have two podcast episodes that are perfect for beginner investors. So the first one is season one, episode four, and the episode titled, Are You Ready to Invest? And so I just want to make sure that you're thinking through whether or not you're positioned to do it financially and all of that. So please listen to season one, episode four. The second thing I have is season one, episode seven. It's a follow-up to that first episode, and it talks about, I'm ready to invest, now what? And so it walks you through, now once you've determined that you're ready, what next can you do? And then another question I got is, you know, how do you juggle? And honestly, I would say I don't. (laughs) The second thing I'll say is, you know, it's God, honestly, because something life can be manic. And then the third thing I'll say is, you know, um, it's priorities, right? Some of these things are important to me, right? You know, it may seem like always just posting on social media, recording a podcast, but I've decided that these things are important to me. So I will take the time to prioritize those things over kind of, you know, leisure activities sometimes. Or right now I'm recording this at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, you know, when I'm not traveling or working, I am a bit of a homebody, so I don't have a massive social calendar. And so I, I have the, I, I'll find the time because I'm not doing 10,000 things socially. Plus, it's coffee. Nobody's going anywhere. Um, I would say that I'm still looking for my own best project management tools because sometimes I feel like I still have not totally figured that out. Um, And other times, I will be honest, I drop the ball. And I would say I drop the rubber balls, right? And so there's an analogy of when you're juggling or have a lot of things going on, they're always the glass balls and then they are rubber balls. The glass balls are the balls that you've got to keep going. They are the most important things that you, you can't mess up on. And then they're the rubber balls where there are things that you need to do, but you can't allow them to, you know, fall or let someone else pick them up or pick them up later because they're made of rubber so they won't break. And so an example is this, this podcast episode. I had to put it off because I had to absolutely focus on my job. And so that's that's honestly how I how I do it. Um, and the very last question is a fun one is, will I ever move to another country again? And um, if you'd asked me in 2014 if I had any plans to move in Lon- to go to London, I would have told you absolutely not. And so one thing I've learned is to never say never. And so um, I think that my story's still been written, and it's better than I can even imagine. And so I don't know, and I will never say never. But if you ask me where would I like to move and and work, I would say. Hong Kong or somewhere on the African continent, Rwanda, Kenya, um, Nigeria would be would be um, some of my top Ghana would be some of my top picks to to um, do another um, stint abroad. So those are the answers to the questions I have. I hope you enjoyed this lighter ish episode. Um, Like I mentioned during the podcast, there's going to be one bonus episode on starting a, a business or a side hustle as an immigrant that will come to you next week. Um, So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you know, follow us along on Instagram, follow along on on the blog. The blog is going to start to have even more content and um, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And thank you for being here. And oh, my gosh, welcome to March. Take care. See you next week. Ciao. Bye bye. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Rich Immigrant Podcast. Before you go, I'd like you to know that there will always be room for you at this table. And as I wrap this up, I'd like to ask for your help with a few things to help support and amplify the message of the podcast. First, please subscribe. Click the subscribe button and that way you're notified of new episodes. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please write and review the podcast. That way you're signaling to Apple that the content here is, you know what, popping. And you amplify our message to other potential listeners. And last but not least, please follow us at Instagram at The Rich Immigrant. And as we go out into the world, I hope that you're encouraged to show up and live fully in whatever country you've chosen to call home. Ciao, bye, or devil, see you next time.